Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast that discusses faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility, where our hope is to inspire and equip you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon is going to join us as we have a conversation with Joel W. Hawbaker, who is a speaker and coach talking about and bringing help to blended families. You may be a part of a blended family, or you know somebody who has, and you know that blended families not only have the troubles and tribulations and trials that other families have, they have more because now you have two families coming together with all that baggage that they had before. So Joel is going to share his story with us and you, as well as some of the tips that he's come across and why he's helping other blended families find that sweet spot to go from just being tormented and troubled to actually thriving. So Sit back and relax, unless you're driving, or unless you're really busy. In that case, we need you to keep doing those things so that you can either get to where you're going safely or get the work done that you're working on. But either way, here we go. All right, Brandon, how are you doing today? I am social distancing out. I'm done. I'm (laughs) going to hug everybody. Well, chances are by the time (laughs) this airs, all that will be done and over with. The pandemic will be over and... uh, Hopefully you survived, so we'll see. Because that's true. If I don't, so much, then y'all don't worry about it. Go I ahead. Mean, <laughs> you can only lick so many walls before you that's contract true. something. I like to sneeze so. as I'm hugging somebody. Nice, oh, nice, <laughs> nice. The gift that uh, nobody what level wants. of fear they operate at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the people who accept it that you need to worry about, though. We went to a restaurant <laughs> last night. Uh, this first night of our first day of uh, opening in Texas, this is you being and able to eat restaurants. Yeah, and uh, she sneezed. And a couple of friends of ours were actually in there at another table because they had all the tables apart. But the first thing out of her mouth was, I'm not sick. I promise. Allergies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even, it's not even bless you. It's do you have Corona? Like that's the yeah. yes. one sneeze. It's like pulling out a gun. Everybody panic. What? What are we doing? <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a bad zombie apocalypse movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> did that person get bit? Do we kill them now? What, what? do we do? <laughs> uh, and everybody, you just heard Joel uh, chiming in here. Uh, we didn't even get the chance to say hi. Hi, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry. That's kind of my MOs. I'm just going <laughs> to no, chime in. Okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, we, we did the introduction during the intro, which, uh, of course, in real it's time. It's a good time done, to do it. Uh, in, in post-production. But uh, – but yeah, there you have it. Uh, so how are you doing, Joel? You're in Alabama. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day here. I'm thankful to be in a place where we are not under nearly a strict lockdown, something about having not a whole lot of people in a pretty good-sized state. There's plenty of room in between. Um, and so uh, you know, I was able to go for a run with my wife yesterday and um, uh, just very thankful to be hopefully looking at the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel through all this. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, very different. Uh, I myself live in Dallas, and there's a couple million people in that area. So <laughs> in a very social small place. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you get in the downtown area, you got to be very proactive about keeping everybody apart. So they they did need to shut things down, and then you get away from the city, and it's just 
yeah, not lots of space, lots of fresh air, and uh, another reason not to live there. <laughs> come uh, in the come city. home, dear. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, we're really glad to have you on today, and uh, we met you through uh, a, a past guest of ours, Dondi Scumachi, uh, whom we actually met from a former coworker and friend of mine, Patty Centeno. So it's really neat how That's every right. you know how the whole world is connected by six degrees or less, mm-hmm. and so you know coming across you on Twitter was something that. Uh, we, we saw value in for our audience, especially around blended families, uh, leadership from a biblical sense uh, in those families, and you know talking about some of the ruts that men face when it comes to family, uh, blended families especially, and then so much more. And beyond that is – Brendan's making a face at me like that's not I, why we brought you on. I thought Joel was running for president. <laughs> oh, no, no. no. Oh, okay. That, yeah, hold on, I need either. my other <laughs> notes. Hold on. Have you guys seen – you see some of those things online where it's like, what would you post to let people know that you're actually being held hostage somewhere? And <laughs> one of the things that I mentioned is like, I hate books, I hate sports, and I'm running for public office. <laughs> so nice. If you ever see anything <laughs> like that, really good there is a gun to my head. I'm just telling you. Uh, yeah. There was a there was a season where um, you know Brandon would do the research for our on our guests before we started interviewing, and so he's like, "All right, cool. I see that you died eight years ago uh, <laughs> in a uh, massive shootout," and you're like, "Wait, Brandon? No, that's not what happened that can't here. Be right? <laughs> that that can't be this guy. He's Seems talking to strange. us." Uh, <laughs> I think my favorite was the guy that was a Supreme Court justice in Canada like yes. 75 years ago. Yes. Nice. Like, you probably should have mentioned that. And he goes, I did not know that. Oh, <laughs> yep. Different, different dude. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, and then there was the guy who was arrested for sexual assault. Yeah. Uh, oh. And we're like, no, nah, I don't think that's. And we like pulled up profiles. Like, okay, that's definitely not the guy we're interviewing. Yeah. We're interviewing right. this other one. Different. <laughs> that's not him. Yeah. So well, I, I took fortunately, you're not going to find a lot of Hall Bakers out there. We are uh, we are relatively <laughs> unique in terms of our last names. So uh, yes, there are, there are a few, a lot easier. but there are not a ton of us out there. <laughs> Well, I think one of the things that really uh, made me want to meet you and and for us to start talking on Twitter was not just Dondi's uh, recommendation, because everything she says is really gold, but uh, you had a, a specific kind of topic on blended families. And, mm-hmm. and being a pastor, I deal with that constantly, mm-hmm. but I'm also part of a blended family. And okay. So I, I know the uh, obstacles that Sometimes that can be, and I I love the fact that you're trying to help people navigate that particular subject and how they can do it better, or maybe just fully understand what they're getting into. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm I'm um, glad that you have some familiarity with it. One of the things that I'm noticing, especially within the church, is that there are a lot of pastors who have a huge percentage of their congregations that are blended families. Uh, but they don't have any firsthand experience with it. And so uh, I find that there are a number of pastors who are kind of struggling with the blended families in their church because they're just not sure what to do because to, and I'm sure you know this from your experience, uh, counseling a blended family, encouraging a blended family, working with a blended family, it's just not the same as working with a, a traditional nuclear family. The complications are bigger. The relationships are more complex and convoluted. And therefore, the problems are often just not the same because not only are blended families different, but every individual blended family is also unique in terms of its <laughs> right. formation and its problems. And so, um, yeah, I, I do. I try to work with blended families. I try to encourage them to um, – 
to have a more positive and more cooperative existence. Uh, Again, I'm sure you know this, but every blended family is born from some kind of pain, whether it's pain of divorce or loss of a loved one, or if your blend is not from a divorce kind of situation or a remarriage, it may be a blended family that's coming from a foster situation or an adoptive situation. Um, But regardless of how your family is blended, there is some kind of painful baggage that the members of the family are bringing into that situation. And, uh, and so what I try to do is to help people figure out how to think and act differently so that what they are coming from is not just the hurt anymore. Because as long as we're acting from a place of hurt, there's not a whole lot of good that's going to come from that. Uh, and so right. that's one of the things that I try to get people to understand. Uh, you know, you start with empathy because, again, I'm, I'm from a blended family as well. My, um, my parents split up when I was in middle school. And uh, my mom uh, started dating my stepdad about a year later. And then I went through a divorce with two kids about a decade ago. So I've seen it as a teenager and I've seen it as a parent with children. And uh, I've been very thankful to have had a good example. My parents had a better divorce than a lot of marriages I've seen. And that helped. I mean, it did. And it helped me have a good starting point to say, okay, here's what I really want to do out of my anger. But what should I do? What would dad have done in this situation? What would mom have done? in this situation. And um, so from that, I was able to build uh, sort of a framework of principles that I try to use to help blended families just get along better, function better, work more positively, that sort of thing. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. That's a great uh, kind of segue into how you got started here. Sometimes, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast, sometimes you're forced out of that rut of just doing the same thing every day, and sometimes Mm -hmm. you voluntarily get out of it. But what made you think, okay, I've been through this, what made you want to help other people maybe navigate it? What was that kind of moment for you? Well, I've got uh, – so I live in a small town in Alabama, and I've got a number of my close friends who are also part of blended families, uh, guys that I've worked with, um, guys that I see professionally that I know pretty well or whatever. And uh, unfortunately, in a number of their situations, um, there was a whole lot of hurt and a whole lot of pain. And uh, so – I had gone through divorce a few years before some of these guys had, and I went through the same frustration. I went, please, I don't want any of your listeners to misunderstand me. Um, it's not that when I went through divorce, it wasn't painful. It was. It was brutal. Right. Uh, you know, there was divorce. There was um, uh, bankruptcy. There was foreclosure. My ex-wife had our kids for 12 days out of 14. Like, 
I remember the struggle and the anger and the resentment, but I also know that God has been extremely gracious to us in helping us work past some of those things so that now we, again, we live about a mile and a half apart in a tiny Alabama town. I've been remarried for almost, <laughs> wow. yeah, I mean, everybody knows everybody. Um, exactly. You know, uh, I've been remarried for almost six years. She's been remarried for about six and a half years. Her and her second husband have a four-year-old together. Um my my younger daughter goes back and forth each week. My older daughter still lives with her mom, but I get to see her, you know, pretty much any time that I want to stop by there. It's okay. And so we're in a much better place now than we were. And so what I wanted to do is to ask, how can I help other people speed up the process of getting to a much more bearable place? One of the things I tell people is I want to help you get your situation from terrible to bearable and then beyond. And if it's not right. terrible, great. That means we already have a better starting point, but it, it doesn't, <laughs> we can't improve, right? And so that's the idea is I just – I feel like I've been extremely blessed, and I want to help other people also experience a much more positive situation in their family. And, and that's really where the impetus for it came from. So I started doing this work, I guess, two or three years ago. I started working as a professional speaker, and my topic, my focus was actually leadership. And so what I've done is just taken a lot of those leadership principles that I taught to colleges and churches and universities and whatever, and I started specifically applying them to families. So what does it look like to put the needs of other people in front of your own instead of in a soccer team context, which is what I'm real familiar with, or in a classroom? What does that look like in a blended family? What, what does it mean for me to be willing to put the needs of my kids and my ex over my own desires? Right. That kind of thing. And that's so important because that is true leadership. It, anybody can lead people who love them that's and right. follow them willingly and yep. voluntarily. And especially if you're paying them, you know, they'll, right. oh, you're awesome. I'll follow you anywhere. Right. But when you're leading somebody who either divorced you or you divorced them, however you want to look at it, but there was a major split there. Mm-hmm. How do you lead them in a way that brings honor to them and to their kids? and to their new spouse or community. And and to me, that is one of the most important things in a divorce, post-divorce, is how are you going to react and, and lead your ex-spouse in a way that can honor everything that's happened and, and bring more peace and civility? Because anybody can fight. That That's right. fairly easy to call names and yell at each that's other. That's exactly right. You can lead past it because I have a good friend going through this right now. Mm. And I told him, I said, you know, there's always going to be soccer games, track meets, weddings, uh, you know, births, all that kind of stuff's going to happen. So you're going to be together. Right. So how yeah. do you work through that in a way that brings peace? Because the kids, you know, we always tell the kids, well, it wasn't your fault. You know, don't take right. this personally. Well, they have no nothing to do but take it personally. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like this this affects me more than it really affects you. So I think you're either lying or just misguided because right. it's right. killing me. You know, yeah. I now yeah. have two houses. I don't like that. Right. Yeah, in the end, it's ultimately about honoring the mother of your children. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Is I don't – I mean – I think a lot of ex-wives would bristle at the idea of their ex-husband continuing to lead them and, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. But the thing yeah. is, I, I think I, – but you're, you're not wrong in how you present that because it's the thing is it's not necessarily that I'm trying to lead my ex-wife anymore. What I'm trying to do is to lead my daughters. I'm trying to lead right. my family. And what that means, like you just mentioned there at the end too, uh, is the idea of honoring their mother. Because re- right. regardless of how she and I might feel about each other, and to be fair, we actually get along relatively well now, which I'm extremely grateful for. But right. the key is 
especially because my kids were young when we split up, the way that I treat their mom, the way that I talk to their mom, the way that I talk about their mom in front of them, that's going to have a huge impact on their growth and development. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to talk their mother down because again, with with little girls and everybody that's got (laughs) little girls knows this for a lot of, for a lot of kids, uh, for a lot of female kids, for their, for daughters, their mom is their extreme overall huge first major role model. They want to be just right. like their mom. Well, right. what do you think that does to a heart of a little girl if what you do is trash their role model? <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. And you're not you're not going to win that argument either. No. That's always the first thing out of my mouth when somebody tells me they're getting a divorce is do not say anything bad, even if it's true, right. even if you've got a hundred percent of the proof. Yep, doesn't matter. To them, because that's mom. That's dad. That's right. Because, yeah, because they're wrong. half that mom. They are half. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so what they're going to hear is they're going to internalize the fact that you're talking bad about them, not just their mom. Right. And and I don't care how true it is to the kid. It's not true. You know, or, or mom's a horrible be. person or dad drinks too much. Well, to the kid, they're, they're perfect because right. we all grew up. Well, not all of us, but I grew up with a dad that was about, you know, seven feet tall and 300 pounds. <laughs> he could do anything. And then I, as I got older, found out he was about 5'10 and 150, 170 pounds. Right. And, but as you grow, you just think, Oh, they're awesome. They can accomplish anything. Yeah. And I can talk bad about them, but you can't. Because that's my mom or that's my dad. Yeah. And I I saw something recently that really encouraged me. It said, if you try hard enough, there's something good you can say about pretty much everybody and especially a parent. And so the thing is just, just focus on that. Focus on the good things. That's one of the, so what I put together is a, a program that I teach. I'm writing a book about it right now. It's called the 10 commandments of blended family life. And one of them is it's from CS Lewis in um, mere Christianity. CS Lewis says something along the lines of uh, a real desire to believe the best you can about the other person and make them as comfortable as possible will solve most of the problems. And he's using that in a different context, but I think it's still true here. So one of the Ten Commandments I share is choose to believe the best about the other household. If, if, if she says something to you that – or he says something to you that you could take either nicely or you could take as an offensive statement, choose to not be offended by it. Choose to take right. it in a loving way. Even if you know they didn't mean it that way, just <laughs> exactly. choose to misunderstand them in a good way. It's easy to choose to misunderstand people in a bad way. We see that all the time. We were talking before the show about um, – how frustrating it is sometimes to see all the, the political commentary on Twitter. The truth of the matter is whichever, whichever perspective you come from in politics right now, anything that someone on the other side says, you're going to take with as much <laughs> exactly. venom as you possibly can. Yeah. No matter, they, They're they, evil. That's exactly right. If I go outside and say the sky is blue, someone who disagrees with me is going to go, you're colorblind. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? And they're going to choose yep. to be offended by it. Well, listen, that's a choice, which means yep. you can also choose to not be offended by things. So if your ex says something to you that's really hurtful, okay, accept it, move on, or disagree nicely and move on. Or if they say something that could be taken one of two ways, choose to take it in the loving way. Absolutely. And and we're not saying just flat out lie because I say that a lot. I'm like, you know, don't say anything bad about the other person, but I don't say don't ever say it. Because you can have a trusted advisor where you can vent right. and you can but not you know, blow up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just never yep. in front of the kids. Yeah, absolutely. Because the worst person in the plant, on the planet, whoever you may think that is, their kid thinks they're awesome. That's right. At least for a while. That's right. Or, you know, or they did at some point. The That's right. Yeah. No, I completely And they don't want to hear bad things about it. That's right. One of the things that I, I saw on your website that I kind of wanted to bring into this mm-hmm. was 
throughout this whole Corona thing, people are on lockdown and, and stuff like that. Talk a little bit about how you navigate that with kids who live at different houses and how you uh, navigate with uh, not seeing them as much as you want, but also making sure they're safe in one way or the other. Yeah, it's interesting. I work mostly with the adults. I've been a high school teacher for years, but in my blended family and my leadership work, I work mostly with with college kids or young young adults, that kind of thing. And with blended families, it's almost exclusively with adults. But the idea there is um, to do, I mean, and this is a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. I love it. He says, do the best you can with what you have where you are. And so there's not any one size fits all solution for what do you do in the midst of a, you know, a lockdown pandemic situation with your blended family. I've seen a couple different approaches. So like for our family, like I said, we live about a mile and a half apart. And so my younger daughter has continued her regular schedule of a week with me, a week with her mom, a week with me, a week with her mom. And that's been fine. Um, I've also seen a couple other examples. Like I saw one example that I thought was kind of extreme, but I love it if it's working well. And that was where this one blended family decided if they were going to have to be on lockdown for um, an indeterminate amount of time, they chose to lock down together in one of their houses. Wow. Like both branches of a blended family locked down together <laughs> wow. in the same house. Now, I don't necessarily <laughs> recommend that to everybody. Yeah, that'd be tough. But here's the thing. If it works for them, God bless them. What a crazy, great story and testimony that's going to be when all this is over with, right? Um, Especially for the kids. Yeah. You chose me over your own personal That's exactly right. And that's the huge example that they're setting the rest of their lives. They're going to be able to say, listen, let me just tell you how much my parents actually believe what they're trying to teach us in terms of treating other people the way you want to be treated. Right. This is what they did during that pandemic. They agreed to do this thing. Like, oh my goodness, that is incredible, right? Um, and that's again, that's one of the foundational principles I teach. Everything that I teach is based on two key principles, right? The first one is to be the adult you want your kids to become, and that sounds oh, yeah. very basic. It's all about role modeling, and but but that's exactly right. Be the adult you want your kids to become. Does that mean that you um, you never make mistakes? No, of course we're going to make mistakes, but when you do, own up to it. Ask for forgiveness move on, right? Um, but it, it means if you want your kid to be respectful, you need to be respectful. And not, and not just to the other, to the people that you already love. We need to be respectful of the people we don't necessarily get along with as well, which includes your ex. I mean, the Bible's real clear about that, right? There's a place in the right. New Testament where it talks about if you're only good to those people who are already good to you, <laughs> what profit is that? Like even the tax collectors do that. Right. right. The way that you show that you're different is by being kind to your enemy. And I hate to, I hate to, conflate exes with enemies. That's not what I'm intending to do, but I know that <laughs> some people feel that way for a while because I get it, right? So the first and some one, people feel like once they're there, it's never going to end. That's right. And I, what I love about your message is there is hope on the other side. Yes. But like you said, if you're already just kind of getting along, then we're part of the way down the road. Yeah. This would be a lot easier. Yeah. If, if you can be in the same room and have a civil conversation, you are miles ahead of most people. <laughs> I'm right. not even kidding. I hate to say that because nope. that sounds like a really low bar. But like if you can go to the same baseball game that your kid is playing in and you can sit within 50 feet of each other and not get into nope. an argument, you are way ahead of a lot of people. My parents were that way. They weren't in the same room together for probably 20 years oh, after they divorced. Wow. So, mm. uh, That's so hard on the kid, too. 
Absolutely, because they think they're being right. Well, you're wrong, so I don't want to talk to you. But yeah. it's only really hurting the kids. Yeah, it it's is. It's not changing anyone's opinion. Correct. It's not fixing anything. You're right. just basically. My dad was uh, kind of that example of the bad dad, my biological dad. He married his secretary, and, you know, it was a whole big thing. But uh, so my parenting has kind of been do the opposite of everything he did. Right, which so is not necessarily you don't a bad have place a good to start. example. Right. I, I would imagine in dealing with younger people in college, you've had a few people come to you and say, but you don't understand my yes, mom or my that's dad. Exactly they, right. they hate, hate yeah, each other. Absolutely. And I do. I hear that a lot where that's almost always the first thing I hear is, listen, you don't understand. And, and my response to them is, you're correct. I don't know the details of your situation. What I do know is if you want it to be better, let me, let me ask you a question. Are you happy with where things are? And if they say right. no, I say, okay, then are you willing to do something different in order to achieve a different result? I want to invite you to come with me on a journey of doing something different. If you're not willing to do that, then I cannot help you. If you want to keep doing the same thing and getting the same result, that is entirely your choice. But if you want a different result, I would love to help you get that, but it's going to require you to be uncomfortable. It's going to require you to do things you're probably not going to like very much. Right. But if you're willing to do that, we can. There, there's absolutely a chance you're going to get some different results, right? So that's, yeah, that's the first principle is be that adult you want your kids to become. Because again, it sets a very powerful example to them. And just like you were talking about with, with your parents, um, instead of seeing the example of what you wanted your kids to become, you saw the example of what you didn't want to be. And, and, right. and again, that's, that's not, that's not ideal. Please don't hear me criticizing your dad, yeah. um, oh, but no. that's, no. that's not ideal. Right. And he, he had plenty of reason to be, <laughs> <laughs> and he realized it late in life, well, fortunately, good. but uh, you know, sometimes as parents, we are just as adults in general, but especially as parents, we think, well, we were, we were doing the best we could and the kid didn't understand. That's not my fault. It's like, well, it's not, may not be your fault or you feel responsible, but the kid needs you, even if the kid is 25, like my oldest is 26 and seven feet tall almost, you know, <laughs> he said, it's like, they still need to hear, you know, I messed this up and right. here's why I'm not justifying it. I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just, I want you to understand when you get to that point in your life, you're going to face some sort of crossroads and hopefully you make the best decision possible. But if you're wrong, Go back and, and say something about it. Raise your hand and say, I really blew that one. I, for whatever reason, didn't listen to who I should have listened to. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. Um, and, and that's a huge part of moving forward is also being willing to admit, may, just maybe my ex is not 100% wrong about everything they've ever said in their whole lives. <laughs> Right. Just maybe. You you married them for some reason. Right. So they, they couldn't possibly be the worst person on the planet. Right. They, so. Yeah. They, they maybe are not as bad as what you feel like they are right now. Now, maybe they are. Maybe they yeah. actually are. But at one point in time, you didn't believe that to be true. Right. So, it, yeah. So let's think. So that's the first one. The second we've already touched on. That's just the golden rule. Right. Treat other people right. the way that you want to be treated. And, and when I say that to people that I'm working with, I'll trying to change a little bit, say, treat your ex the way that you want to be treated, not the way you feel like they deserve to be treated. Because those are very, but, very but, different but, things. But, but, but is what I always hear when I say that's stuff right. like that. But you, yeah, but you, but you don't, don't you, understand. <laughs> but that's correct. But the Bible doesn't say unless they've been really mean to you. <laughs> exactly. I've looked. 
Because I was yeah. really hoping it said that when I was divorced. Exactly. Like, Unless you can justify it, then right. you go ahead and treat them bad. That's exactly. Yeah, I'm I like was, you. I, yeah. I haven't found that yet. No. And maybe it's in a different book that I just haven't read that yeah. doesn't exist. I don't know. Uh, but that's exactly right. It, it, there are no exceptions to that. Treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Well, that's something that we need to be willing to do, especially if we're going to set that example for our children. I'm sure there's some of your listeners right now who are just looking at their you know, earbuds or their phone or whatever they're listening. And they're going, this guy's an idiot. I'm never doing that. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. Why would, he say, why would he say something like, well, that's okay. If you feel that way, that's yeah. fine. Like You wouldn't be the first person that I've angered accidentally. Take a number. <laughs> exactly. you know, no offense. Yeah. But, but really, think about what might be possible. Think about right. what might be possible if you are willing to treat people differently. Because here's, here's really the truth of the matter. When you treat your ex differently, are they guaranteed to respond in kind? Absolutely not. Absolutely. And that's okay because it's not about them. It's about changing your heart. It's not about right. changing them. Um, I, I made this mistake not long after my divorce. I was still trying to change my ex to get her to do what <laughs> I wanted to do. And right. me being really intelligent, I thought the best person to gripe about this with was her father. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I was real smart. <laughs> so I went, over to, I went over to her parents' house one day after we divorced, and I was just griping. I mean, just letting it all out for about 10 or 15 minutes to her father. And he finally stops me and says, Joel, you got to stop. And I said, but I just, he said, no, listen, be quiet. And I love him. He and I still have a good relationship. I'm really thankful for that. And he said, listen, I got to ask you a question. If you couldn't get her to do what you wanted to when you were married, <laughs> what on earth makes you think you can get her to do what you want her to do now? Right. And I thought that yeah. is really uncomfortable, but true. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. But he's and, right. And it, it's so right. And people, they want to find somebody that will agree with them in yes, some way. That's and, right. And you don't actually unfortunately, want. Unfortunately, sometimes you do. But yeah, You don't actually want <laughs> feedback. I've heard this said about women before. It's really funny. And this may, if this offends all your female listeners, I apologize. <laughs> but it was, and my wife agrees with this too. She said a lot of times women don't want your opinion. They want their opinion in a lowered voice. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what you're talking about with men. Men are the same way. We don't necessarily want someone else's oh, yeah. opinion. We want our opinion in a different voice. Yeah. That's what we want. Because if he had just said, wow, Joel, that's brilliant. That's right. Let's go do that. Yeah. He said, you know what? You would have been happy that's in right. the moment. That's right. He would have looked, <laughs> if he had just looked at me and said, Joel, you're 100% correct, and my daughter, 100% wrong. And I can't believe yeah. he didn't do that. It's crazy talk. <laughs> exactly. Absolute crazy and talk. What's funny about that is the next sentence would have been, you realize neither one of us can do anything about this, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we have the best idea on the planet, and we're 100% right, but no execution that's whatsoever. That's exactly right. No way to implement <laughs> that. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the whole point is it's not about trying to change her or him. It's not about trying to change the other person. Again, if you couldn't do that when you were married, you are not going to be able to do it now that you're divorced. And here's the good right. news. It's not your job to. Exactly. It's not your job you, you, to. Your job you control is, yourself. That's right. Your job is to do the best you can with what you have where you are. It's not to change them or to get them to do what you want them to do. It's to do the best thing for your kids. It's to make sure that you are trying to honor Christ with your life, and that means you're going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable. I've, I've never met a, a Christian who is trying to live the Christian life who is not uncomfortable with some of the things that God calls them to do. If, if you're Absolutely. if you're 100 percent comfortable with everything God's calling you to, you're probably not listening closely enough. Right. Like if you, I, I, I mean, that's just the truth. If you look at the Gospels, a lot of the stuff he called the <laughs> disciples to do was not comfortable. I, I like to do that because I, I 
I'm a pastor, of course, and I, I teach a couple of Bible studies a, a week online now because of this whole thing. And mm-hmm. uh, every once in a while, I will start by saying, "Okay, just so you all know, I don't like everything in the Bible, right? And, and you know, it's all in there, and I, I agree with it, but I don't like it. That's right. And, and one of the things I don't like, and I don't like, I think it's probably in my top two or three list is, you know, where where God's going to forgive you based on how you forgive, mm. not not a better uh, to me a better standard would be how i just want to be forgiven or right, something like yeah. that don't don't do it that the sounds way, way more fun it. that's right <laughs> yeah and but that's not what he said <laughs> what right. he said was as as we forgive others yeah. is how he's going to do it yep and and that's so important so tell us a little bit about your book uh inverted leadership i love the title of that lead others better by forgetting about yourself. Yeah, so that was actually a lot of fun to write. I, uh, like I said, when I first started doing some professional speaking, I'm, I'm still a full-time high school teacher while we're recording this. I've been one for uh, for about 14 years, um, but I love leadership. It's something I've studied since college. I've exercised leadership well, and I've exercised it very poorly indeed in, a, in some situations. <laughs> and what I wanted to do was to write a book that really hit home at the the core of what I felt leadership was about, which is um, internal change that is then reflected in how you treat other people. And so uh, the, the title there actually comes from one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Top Gun. Um, so those of you familiar with Top Gun, there's a scene when uh, Maverick and Goose are talking about how they were flying with this MiG and they were inverted, right? They were upside down oh, yeah. and it was completely right. different. Well, that's the idea for, for leadership. Right. For me, leadership is all about serving other people, servant leadership. The, the, the whole book is based on gospel centered servant leadership, which means you take yourself, you take your ego, you take your desires out of the equation. You take your gifts, you take your talents, you take your abilities that God has given you. That's the confident part. And then you use them to serve other people. You take your own, again, you take your desires, your ego out of it because if, if I'm really trying to lead others well, then I need to come to serve, not to be served, just like Jesus did. That's what I need to be doing, right? And so that's what the whole book is about. And it looks at, uh, again, as a history teacher, as a history major, I, I use a lot of examples from history. I use some examples from the sports world, both my own coaching career and some of the people that I love to, um, to watch on TV. Uh, and so that's kind of what the book was about. It was actually a lot of fun to write as well because – I wrote it mostly in the car. I have an hour and a half commute round trip every day to school. And so I, I wrote the rough draft by speaking it out loud into a uh, handheld mini cassette recorder that belonged to my father back in the 1980s and 1990s. <laughs> nice. Wow. And then I would come home and either myself or my wife would type it up and that kind of became the rough draft, which is really fun. So, you know, if, for those of you who are out there who are like, you, you really want to write a book and you just think, I just don't have time. I'm telling you, you do. You just got to figure out how to be creative with it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so that's what the book's about. Like I said, it was it was a lot of fun to write. I had a great time sharing about it with people. And um, actually, for your listeners, for anybody who's interested, if they will send me uh, an, an email after they listen to this episode, I'll be glad to send them a free e-copy of that and my other leadership book that I wrote about my dad. Uh, because at this point, I'm not worried about making money off the books. I just want people to have them. So if you're interested in gospel-centered leadership, send me an email. I'll send you a free copy of my book. I'd be glad for you to have it. Awesome. That's very generous. We'll make sure that's in the show notes too. So if you go to the Beyond the What Rut webpage, can't say that fast, uh, we'll have all that in there so you can uh, reach out and uh, 
get that ebook because that's some valuable information to just learn how to lead, not from a place of selfishness, but unselfishness. And you can really do some great stuff. So, Joel, thanks for coming on with us. If, if people want to find out about you and, and really connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the best way is through any of my websites. Um, you can go to joelwhallbaker.com for my speaking information. You can go to Real Life Leading for a combination of the leadership and the blended family. Or you can go to stepdadding.com for just the pure blended family information. Uh, you can also find me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And by the time this comes out, I'll probably be on Instagram as well. So you can find me under mm-hmm. my name, Joel W. Hallbaker. Yeah, I'm, I actually had to ask my teenage daughter if she was okay with me getting on Instagram. Uh, because yeah. she's my, my 16 or my almost 16 year old uh, just got on Instagram not long ago with with her parents permission myself and her mom and I didn't want her to think that I was getting on there just because she was on there and so I checked with her <laughs> yep. I'm like are you okay with this she, yeah dad it's it's social media I don't have a patent on it it's okay I said, okay thanks baby um, as, as a rule of thumb, when we start getting on it, they get off of it. Just well, so yeah. you know. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's okay. And the thing is, Mike, we've been, we're weird. We've been pretty strict with our kids that they have very limited access to social media because they are 13 and almost 16. And so neither one of them has Twitter. Neither one of them has Facebook. My older one just got Instagram and it's private. Um, they don't do a lot of those. They're not on TikTok. Like that. We just felt like it was unsafe to give them unfettered mm-hmm. access to all of the craziness that's out there. So, uh, but anyway, I would, I would love for your listeners to connect with me that way. The other thing that I, I'm, I love to do is if anyone is interested in the blended family information, I will uh, be glad to send them a free blended family toolkit, uh, which yeah. is full of a bunch of information about blended families and discussions you need to have and the 10 commandments and, and things like that. It also includes a um, seven day devotional that I wrote uh, that I would love for people to have as well. And that's really good. You were generous enough to send that to me when we first met. And actually, and I haven't told you this yet, but uh, I was planning to. Once this all kind of clears up a little bit, I want to uh, do some sort of class in the fall and and get blended families kind of working through that because that's a resource that a lot of families don't have. And maybe you don't have everybody involved in it, but this would be a good resource for you to have and start going through it with your husband or maybe your future husband or future wife, whatever the situation, there's some great information about being a step parent in there that it, it scares me and pains me sometimes to see somebody go into that role, not understanding what it's going to take. Having, I, I have a stepfather who's awesome. He's been my stepdad for 37 some odd years, but uh, and then I'm a stepfather, and I know that you face things you had no earthly idea were going to come about. So having those resources is a really great tool. So uh, we'll definitely be talking more in the future. That sounds great. And thank you for the kind words. I'm glad that it's been helpful. That was something that really has been on my heart for a while. It's just, again, you know, how can I help other families that are like ours? And so uh, put together the devotional, put together the toolkit. Like I said, I'm writing a book on blended family life right now that I'm hoping will be finished by the fall. I'm also working on putting together a, um, a video course that I'll be able to do online. And then I'm doing a blended family summit this summer. Uh, in late June, actually, I'll be uh, I'm putting awesome. on a summit where I've got 10 other speakers coming in. Uh, it's going to be all online, but I've got 10 other speakers coming in who are going to uh, who are going to also talk about these 10 commandments of blended family life. That's awesome. Definitely uh, shoot me that because I want to be a, a part of that and put that out for you, too. And I have a, a good friend that she does a podcast and a marriage summit. 
Oh, nice. That I'm sure okay. she would be really interested in that. So some of this may not be relevant to people that are listening, but I'm definitely going to make those connections because I want to, yeah, that's awesome. I want to help as many people as we can. So, so if people are just, you know, in Alabama and they're driving around and they want to stop by and see you, what's your home address? Don't do it, Joel. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm I'm in Anniston. That's where I live. It's a tiny town <laughs> that is about halfway between uh, Atlanta and Birmingham. And oh. um, anybody who wants to uh, come by this way, you know, like I said, shoot me an email or send me a message or whatever, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll wave at you as you drive by. It's one of those towns that if you just ask, everybody knows where you live. So it's gonna be somebody <laughs> random, I think. It's like I the one listener from Croatia. Yeah. Nice. Show up. We're like, what, I came really? by. Hey, Joe. Listen, yeah, I just happened to be in the states and uh, thought we'd stop by. Exactly. Then, look, that's hey, fine. I, you're you're welcome. We to come planned in. our whole family vacation around coming that's to see from Joel. Saskatchewan. I thought, <laughs> yes, exactly right. Listen, you guys would be welcome. We have two. Uh, we have two good sized rescue dogs that hang out here, and uh, they're awesome. Go. So come hang out with us and the puppies. Sounds good. Nice. Well, thanks a lot, Joel, for joining us. And we'll put all that in the show notes. And if anybody has any questions, just uh, go there, reach out, or let us know, and we'll put you in touch with Joel. Thank Fantastic. you again. Thank you guys both for having me on. I've had a great time. I look forward to staying in touch and working with you again in the future. And I really look forward to connecting with any of your listeners that would like to reach out as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 226. There you'll find links to Joel's resources like his website, his books, his social media, and so much more. In fact, we're going to put some of our past episodes where we talk about marriage, parenting, and things of that nature, because that's one of the five F's, the circles of life that we discuss on this show. Now, the best way you can support our show is to share us with a friend, a family member, or a coworker, or even that neighbor across the street. That's right. You share us with other people. They listen to us, and then they share us with other people. That's how we get the word out and inspire and equip people to make their own paths and live the lives they've always dreamed of as well. So, we're glad you joined us this week. We look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.